This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Hey, all cheaters, and welcome to the LSGD Fantasy Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm fresh as a daisy, Josh. I'm back from a brief weekend getaway, and you're uh, fresh from a week off a proper vacation. Yep. Given that we're less than a week away now from the season restarting, I'm glad that we have both had a little chance to unplug from mm-hmm. everything, and we're just going to roll into game week one, and it's really not going to stop until May. No, it's 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 really not. And uh, I'm I'm ready for it, though. I don't know. I don't know about you. I'm not doing anything. Uh, I'm, <laughs> it's, been, it's the whole summer went by. I don't know what I did outside of this this last week. I, I, I drove to Florida for like two days in June and then immediately drove all the way back uh, right before uh, an outbreak there. Th- those are the two highlights, Brandon. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, there was some six weeks of Premier League matches uh, squeezed in there, I, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're but so game week one kicks off on Saturday. No Friday matches. So what we're going to do on this week's podcast, Brandon? I'm jumping right into it. Okay. There's no no let's preamble go. here. So there's let's, let's go. Um, we're going to go match by match. Uh, talk about um, all the fixtures in game week one. It's a mega preview of everything that's going to take place. We're going to take fantasy questions as we go through all of those matches. We are also going to do a last minute lightning round of fantasy FPL advice. And if you're going to be pounding my fist here, Brandon, because I feel very strongly about everything we're going to talk about today. Pound uh, away. Yep. And we also have some make fantasy fun again tips. We reached out to some friends in the fantasy community uh, and they reached out to us because this to me, Brandon, is the real theme. There's a lot mm-hmm. going on. A lot of things are not good, Brandon. 
politically, yeah. uh, economically, um, health a global, related. You may, you may have forgotten. Yeah, there's a global pandemic. You may have forgotten you haven't been inside a restaurant in six months, Brandon. Uh, so there's a lot going on. Let's enjoy playing fantasy this year. And you wouldn't think that you would need actual tips, but anyone who takes fantasy seriously knows it can be a miserable <laughs> and sort yeah. of maddening experience sometimes. So we have some advice for how to ensure that you are actually having fun this season. And uh, we're going to pepper those into the pod. Josh, I've been thinking I've been thinking a lot about um, Christopher Nolan movies, probably because Tenant is uh, in the in the ether and it's now mm-hmm. being released in theaters. But I always think of the tethering device in Inception. You know, uh, somebody uses this little top that spins and you spin the top and that's what tethers you to your reality so you don't lose sight of the fact that you're actually in some sort of dreamscape. I'm viewing these make fantasy fun again tips as my tether to reality so that when I'm having a really bad game week, as I will have at some point, I can look to these tips as my spinning top. Yeah, believe it or not, it will happen. (laughs) All right. So that's where we are. That's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. But Brandon, I, I just feel like it's time for us to talk about um, our actual teams here a little bit, uh-huh. our actual squads. I have been thinking a lot. I, I sort of did, I think, what most people do, which is that you jump on the site. Uh, I put together, I, I actually do an autocomplete team because I want to get my my ID number, you know, as low as possible. Sure. Uh, and then I maybe do one like serious, you know, like reno where I like kind of go through and just like demolish, you know, everything and start fresh yeah. and in a few players I know I'm going to have, and then sort of tinker at the edges. And then about a week out, you know, and the whole time, of course, you know, we're, we're, we're doing team previews and we're, we're talking and we're, you know, I mean, there's all these discussions happening all over the place about what you're going to do uh, with your squad. And, you know, I, it's like, I, I talked about this a little bit earlier this week. I mentioned this on Twitter, but it's like, you have to pick like just the right moment. It's about like 10 days before the season launches because you don't want to wait so long that, that you don't give your time to, you don't give yourself time to think things through, but you also want to do it early enough that you can really like start tinkering, you know, like yeah. that you, that you can really like, you know, like, like put it down and, and give yourself like a week to sort of let it like sit there. Um, yep. if you know, if you, if you do it too early, then sometimes you find yourself locked into like a certain players. I actually been thinking about this with Timo Werner. I'm just like, he's been like a lock since like I set my team, but I mean, am I, is he like just an unmovable lock? Is there, you know, is it, it will nothing budge him from my team? Uh, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit later as well, but let's, let's start with you though. Where are you with your squad? How confident do you feel? Um, yeah. Maybe we, you can actually walk us through your team, you know, from, from keeper all the way um, up to the, to the forward line. Yeah, I would say I'm on probably my fifth iteration of the squad like you. I just went in and did the autocomplete, and then I came back to my team maybe two weeks later. And then, yeah, like mapped out, what do I really want this team to look like? Who are my immovable players? And I think the the third and fourth tinkers were just trying to then iron out what is the sh- less the players that I want more what is the shape of I of the team that I want and that that's probably based on like those immovable assets like if I'm gonna definitely have Salah Trent and Werner that will dictate what the shape of my team is going to be in the end. And my current tinker is I'm now actually starting to weed out players that are problems that are messing with that structure, or maybe that right. it looks like they aren't going to work because of certain form or, or, or fixtures. So 
Yeah, let's run through the players. Uh, least in- inspiring <laughs> portion of my team is the goalkeepers. So uh-huh. I have a non-rotation here. I've got Aston Villa's Nyland on the bench and then Matt Ryan. And okay. I've committed to the 4.5 GK set and forget. And the decision, I think, for most of people who are planning to do the same is whether you go for McCarthy or Ryan. And for me, it's just a... <laughs> a stats based pick Uh, Ryan you you can I I think you can make a very compelling case that Southampton will be a better team than Brighton this season but just from a shrewd FPL stats point of view Matt Ryan is the better asset so let's see how that works for me I I think he is a terrific shot stopper Mm -hmm. and Brighton you know when their game plan is set right and they're organized and everyone's feeling it. I think that they can be a great, I won't over, over state it. They can be a pretty good defensive team. <laughs> yeah. So uh, interesting. That, I've that, gone, I've gone McCarthy. So it's like, it sets up an interesting uh, dynamic there already. A bit of a battle. Mm-hmm. Okay. My back line is another Brighton defender, Lamptey, uh, a winger that lots of Brighton fans are excited about Tariq Lamptey. He's at 4.5. Um, looks like he could lock down that fullback position for Brighton at the start of the season. Then my cheap 4.0 guy is Barry Douglas for Leeds and, you know, Leeds papers and, and scouts are pretty sure that Douglas has the left back spot locked down for the moment. So you would think, um, Bielsa might want to bring in some more, uh, higher caliber, uh, talent maybe with what's left in the transfer market. But for now it looks like. Douglas is among the better 4.0 defensive uh, FPL assets. Trent, right in the heart of that defense at 7.5. He feels like a lock for all of our teams. Kyle Walker-Peters is my uh, Southampton defensive coverage. But Walker-Peters is, you know, for for a fullback on a team that's that's probably going to be fighting for top half status, then I think that's a very solid deal and walker peters i I don't think that he's gonna light up the fpl charts by any stretch but i think that price gives you that flexibility 4.5 gives you that flexibility to say well maybe he's only gonna come through with with three assists this season and and 12 clean sheets i think that's still a a steal at 4.5 yeah i've thought about him a lot myself so then my fifth defender i really wanted this to be virgil van dyke but going back to me talking about uh the shape of my team it just it wasn't working somebody had to go so van dyke has made way to save 1.5 and ben Ben davis has come in for spurs so I, i guess the hope here is that the uh, the real Jose Mourinho team shows up and and clean sheets are a regular occurrence for Spurs. Mm-hmm. A decent fixture run to start home Everton, Southampton, Newcastle before they hit United in game week four. So five point just looks like it could be. I, I just don't have space for another premium defender. That's as high as I yeah. can go. I mean, I, I hear he really is. You know, I actually, I, I'll admit I have him in my team as well. Um, I was shocked to find that he had zero, and I know, I know he hasn't played a, a ton of minutes, but zero goals and zero assists in both of the last two seasons. How odd is that? I, I actually think of him as a pretty attacking player. Now, he had two goals and seven assists in the 17-18 season. I, I can't remember if that was when he was still a Swansea or not, but yeah, just I, I was a little surprised by that. Zero and zero the last two years. 
So I don't think there are a ton of surprises there in my goalkeeper and defensive selection. Things get a little nutty here in my midfield, Josh. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. I like it. I like a little nutty. Yeah. Salah, uh, there's lots of debate between Mane and Salah. Mane has definitely looked better in the preseason, but mm-hmm. Salah's just the uh, FPL comfort blanket. There he is. And Aubameyang has been one of those players that he – his first two fixtures uh, with Fulham followed by West Ham are just too appealing and perhaps yeah. captainable. And yeah. I can't, I can't quit him at this point. He's really totally. meant. And I think it's very, I think it's, it works really well for me to have Aubameyang in because of the Manchester city and Manchester United blanks, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll talk a bit more about later in the podcast, but sure. Aubameyang will, I mean, if he really does light it up in game weeks one and two, it could be hard to get rid of, but we are going to need a placeholder for City and United midfield yeah. assets. And and I think he's a good placeholder for that. I, if, I think if that works. I, I think one thing that comes out of our, that came out of our team previews was you just realizing just what a like kind of ultimate flat track bully um, Aubameyang is, you know, that he is just puts up gigantic returns against teams with bad defenses or just teams that are bad in general. And uh, they open the season playing Fulham who are going to be okay or below okay at best. Uh, and then West Ham where I have all kinds of defensive issues right now. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you like if, if we're going to say that and then, talk ourselves out of a bombing it feels like we'd only be doing that because he's become such a popular pick it doesn't seem like um and like you said it's it's, it's such an easy path because their fixtures don't aren't very good after those first two matches right so it, it it yeah i think it is pretty easy to um like it might be hard to say goodbye but because they play liverpool away and man city away in two of the next three it, it sort of makes it easier i think to to let go even if he does well so here's where it gets weird in my midfield. Uh, I've got another Arsenal asset in Saka, okay. who, you know, I'm really scared of him because he's a great player. He had a great breakout season for Arsenal last season, and he looked great in the Community Shield. He's been playing enough in the preseason. But with Pepe and William, who play on the right, where Saka has been playing for Arsenal. There's going to be a ton of competition for Saka to come up against, and he's less experienced, and you'd think that Arsenal are invested enough in Willian and Pepe to give them a number of minutes. So I'm very concerned about him as uh, a a consistent starter. But uh, So I need to work on this price point in my midfield. I think Stuart Armstrong is the, the more... Uh, this more settled 5.5 pick his minutes are probably more of a lock and mm-hmm. you have a better sense of what you're going to get from Southampton going forward than you do from Arsenal so Saka is kind of on the bubble in this current tinker the other wild one and I blame YouTube for this it's <laughs> Zaha you know how much I love to to dunk on Will Zaha Josh but he has uh-huh. looked he's looked in, insanely good this in the preseason wild. highlights wild. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact the thing, that he sucks doesn't bother you at all. <laughs> I mean, it does bother <laughs> me. I think I, 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 I think so getting rid of Virgil van Dyke allowed me to bump. I can't even remember who I had in Zaha's place here sure. at a cheaper price point. But I think what I ultimately want to have happen is that Zaha gets bumped up to a Chelsea mid before game week one starts. 
mm-hmm. whether it's Ziyech or Pulisic or Havertz now, who we have at a really interesting price point at 8.5. So Zaha, uh, it's kind of like as high as I can go with my current setup. So there could be a little more tinkering to turn him into a Chelsea asset, which could be just a little more fun, to be honest with you. Well, I think that's, I think it's interesting. I, um, I mean, I, I agree that he has looked awesome in preseason. And so it's, it, it has turned my head a little bit. Maybe it's because, you know, I mean, honestly, one, one, one argument for him would be that, you know, he might get sold in October. Right. And so he wants to like, kind of put himself in the shop window, like the puppy dog, you know, doing a flip or whatever in the, you know, that store, you know, like buy, buy me, you know, um, I don't know. Um, so I, you know, I could say, okay. So anyway, let keep going, Brandon. I, 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 yeah. you know, it's, it's unique and you know, I wouldn't do it, but you know, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're daring me. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, Again, I, my, yeah. my fifth mid is my cheapo bench fodder and that's Mario Lamina for Fulham. Ah, yeah. And they're signing. My God, if you look at the 4.5 midfield options, it's grim. It's so grim, and it's yeah. not even guaranteed that Lamina starts. It looks like Anguisa is back in the fold with Fulham after being yeah. on loan. So you've got three 4.5 options for Fulham there, Harrison Reed and Lamina and Anguisa. Harrison Reed is the one that's uh, more likely to start more matches, but... He's more of a defensive midfielder. Lamina and Anguisa are box-to-box. They could conceivably be involved in the attack and feeding Mitro. So this is kind of a... I think the 4.5 midfielder position, I'm at the point where I'm willing to concede. I don't know who the best one is going to be, and we'll only (laughs) know once the season starts. So whether it's Lamina or some other junky asset at 4.5, it doesn't matter because I think we're all going to have to gravitate to the emerging assets when the season starts anyway. Yeah. I've got a cheapy 4.5 too. So I'll, I'll get to that in a, in a second. So, all right. So continue, please. Yeah. My, my three strikers here, Timo Werner. I just, I'm so drawn in by, I mean, who isn't drawn in by the transfer action at Chelsea? There's so many sexy attacking assets there. And Burner at 9.5, another great budget get if he comes good. Uh, and I think he's actually captainable in game week one. If you want to talk about the problems with captaining Aubameyang in the early kickoff to start the, the game week, something that we kind of shy away from doing because it's not all that much fun. There's a little more fun in anticipating what your captain's going to do. So I just love Werner going into the season. He's going to make that number nine position all his own. Mitrovic... At 6.0 and lots of just lots of haters out there for Fulham. And, you know, fair enough. They they were miserable in the 2018-19 season. And, you know, Mitrovic tried as hard as he could to to keep FPL managers happy and keep Fulham up. But he just wasn't able to do it. But the fact remains that he is the focal point of that attack. And um I just don't see any more logical pick at 6.0. And I think 6.0 is as cheap. It's I could see a 6.0 forward like Mitrovic working as your second striker and you yeah. bring in a bench forward to play 3-5-2 or 4-4-2. But I am addicted to the 3-4-3 and my third <laughs> striker is Martial and you – I really badgered you about Martial when we were doing our Manchester United preview because you were really all on in on him. And I was mm-hmm. curious about 
But what he about Rashford? He, yeah, he said he was the fourth, the fourth player you'd want of their of their big four. I think I don't the, remember saying that exactly, <laughs> but um, uh, but I do think when I'm just looking at the striker selection, and I'm kind of cutting out anybody higher than nine point five, so I'm cutting out Aguero and Kane at the moment, mm-hmm. and. Manchester United having that fixture run that they do and they're back in action in game week two. I I was making the case earlier in our preseason content of you could just slowly bring United and City assets into your squad. Why hinder your team by having benched premium assets in game week one? But I guess I'm coming around to this idea that you're probably going to want to have two or three or four of these City and United guys for game weeks two and three. So why not? Start with one on the bench, Martial. It is so uh, that that's where I'm at with my 15 starters. Okay, yeah, I I like it. Uh, some things I wasn't expecting, so that's a nice it's a nice mix. Not obviously like you know all um, um, all caveats or whatever. You know, what, you know, um, you are allowed to change your team completely from this team reveal, and uh, you know, uh, this it's it's not locked in. So um, okay, so talk- I feel like. Yeah, because I, I feel like sometimes in these team reveal pods, I end up like I feel like I I, I don't want to be in a position where I back myself into a corner a little bit mm-hmm. and defending a player, and then yeah. I drop them the night before, and then you know someone's like, hey, like I thought you, like that, that player was locked for your team. So so I'll go through uh, my squad. Um, I've got a four three three to start off the season. Uh, I'm going uh, McCarthy over Matt Ryan, and, and honestly, I mean, you kind of hinted at it in the on the. Um, when you talked about Ryan, it, you know, it's just that, uh, I just think the defense for Southampton is, is better. Um, I just, uh, have more, um, I just kind of expect them to keep more clean sheets and, um, and I don't know that he'll get as many saves as Ryan, but I think that the clean sheets will, will weigh out. I also just like their fixtures. I, I feel like I can get through like the first eight or nine game weeks without really worrying too much about then really through game week, I don't know, like 12, I would say. Um, so that gets you almost to December, probably would end up playing a wild card around that time anyway. Um, one thing to note is that even though um, game, you, usually you can use the wild card, I think it's game week 20 is typically when the, when the cutoff is, or I guess after game week 19. This season, it will be different because the uh, the second half of, like, I think you have to use your wild card by like game week 16 or something like that. It's like, it's, it's within the... Um, Within the calendar year, you have to use the wild card. Yeah, I think it's I think it's game week sixteen is like the last time you can use your wild card, and you have to have it before game week seventeen. So it is something to keep in mind when you're thinking about setting your team. You're not going to be able to keep it for twenty weeks. It's going to be a, a slightly shorter window. I'm not quite sure why they did that. You know, I guess it's just cleaner maybe to have a 2020 wild card and a 2021 yeah. wild card. But that is something to keep in mind when you think about. Um, you know, if you want to think that far ahead, I mean, obviously when it comes to forwards and everything, everything else, you don't necessarily want to do that. But when it comes to keepers, sometimes you do want to be a little more conscious of, of like, you know, like four months from now or whatever. So, yeah. yeah so, I mean, I, I think Ryan is reasonable. I, you know, I mean, partially this is just like a little bit, you know, is it experience or is it bias? I don't know. Uh, but just not having a lot of great luck with Ryan over the years of my team and just feeling mm-hmm. like he's maybe he's like a bad luck player for me. So I am. So Sounds like crazy. bias, Josh. <laughs> yeah but is it born from experience is that you know what i mean it's like when is it experience what is it bias yeah um, so uh and then my um my defenders are uh, some similarities there of course i have trent like everybody else i mean you know there's just a little bit of injury concern with him i i do understand that but not enough to uh to put me off him and you know i, I guess if he doesn't 
he what came off the bench for England in their first international. Um, if he didn't start the next one, maybe I'd start to get a little bit worried. But I just think uh, I don't know. Saturday Premier League. If, if clearly, if he, if he got called up and he's playing in these matches for England, he's he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Is, is how I feel about things. So, mm-hmm. um, so I expect him to start. Um, I have Ben Davis, kind of like you. I read this article, um, this interview with Eric Dyer uh, in The Athletic, and he seems like such a nice, normal, cool guy. He's a guy I'd never thought about one way or the other. Uh, and then I read this interview and I was like, this guy seems awesome. Like, he seems so cool. Like, <laughs> like this is like the now the guy that I most want. He's like, he's the new Juan Mata for me. Like, I'm in love okay. with Eric Dyer. He seems so nice. Can you imagine um, Juan Mata yeah. climbing into the stands to throw punches at, at fans? <laughs> fans though that was the hey the, brandon i would do that myself so that to <laughs> okay. me is i'm, I'm fine with that it's a fit for Relatable. my personality okay. yeah i've got a little uh cantina in me uh so uh trent and and i've got ben davis um i might have said davis it is davis though right um yeah so i've got yeah ben davis and trent and trent and then i've got um ruben vinagre and there's a little bit of talk uh there the, you know, wolves made a signing um like a little a little two million signing uh, over the weekend and then there's a little bit of worry um, because the signing they made was was a left back i'm just forgetting his name right now <laughs> but um you know ruben vinagre is is a really highly rated player for wolves a player who I think is going to keep his position even after this signing takes place. I mean, you know, if you just want to go by transfer market value alone, I mean, Vinagre's sell-on value is almost five times uh, the player that they brought in. It's around 10 million. You know, he's, he's been a, a young sort of like understudy for Johnny for a couple of years now. So yeah. um, I think I think it's really his spot to lose. And at 4.5 million, I mean, I'm actually considering a double up. I, I may switch Davis over to... Uh, um, say Sir Bowley. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, just just like, I just have a lot of. Um, I mean, okay, yeah, they do play Man City in game week two, but outside of that fixture, I just think there's a ton of. It's just a great run for Wolves, and you know, one thing that I'm really thinking about a lot is setting up my team so that I don't have to waste transfers on anybody who's under like seven million. You know, I just want all of my cheaper players to be players that I can just that I just have to think about. You know, like maybe they're not. I just I think last year I may have spent a little too much time, you know, picking apart my little four point five million players, and it's just it's kind of a waste of a transfer. And so uh, I am going to try to uh, you know embrace. Um, I know it's kind of the trendy thing to do, but I, I think it's I think it's trendy because I think it's exciting, and I think it's something that people are really into, which is this idea of of upside chasing and 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 being really aggressive with your most expensive players and trying to find major, you know, 10 point plus, you know, halls throughout the season. And, um, it's a real, like, you gotta be on your toes kind of perspective, you know, it's like, it's not a set and forget approach, but I just think I, I just may have, I feel like I spent too much time last season tinkering at the margins and I want to base my transfers around bringing in those players who are going to have huge halls and not transfer on a player who might get me five points for a player who might get me seven, you know, um, it's just, it's just not, I think, you know, good use of a transfer. So, uh, so I've got, Ruben, and then I've got um, um, I'm a little my other 4.5 million defender. I'm a little on the fence about uh, right now. I've got Luke Thomas, uh, who I think is pretty likely to start the season. He's 4.5 million. I don't love him long term, but uh, they play West Brom and Burnley. And the other alternative would just be to bring in Charlie Taylor and just stash him on the bench for game week one. So that's something I'm considering too. Uh, and then my uh, the the fifth defender that I have on the bench is uh, Tyreek Mitchell who um, is replacing Patrick Van Anhalt. 
for a while. So we'll see. And it's kind of funny because I was just talking about not having to deal with defensive transfers. But if I have Thomas and I have Tyreek Mitchell, am I in a position where I'm going to have to burn a transfer just to bring out one of these guys um, in the future? So maybe I've talked myself into having Charlie Taylor and just hoping that uh, Tariq Mitchell can do can do a job uh, in, in okay. week one. Yeah. <laughs> they play Southampton at home. You know, they it's, it's possible they keep a clean sheet there. So that's my that's my keep my my key, and then I've got Nyland as well. Um, so that's my keepers and defenders. Uh, and in the middle, like you, I've got Salah. Um, I, I honestly, I just don't put a lot of stock in preseason, and I, I I'm just going to put more stock in the three years of incredibly strong, consistent returns that he's delivered in the fantasy game and i'm planning to captain him at home to a promoted side um in in game week one i don't i feel like a lot of people are overthinking this a little bit and so i so i've got sala and then i have Yang as well i think Yang is is a fine captain as well just a little more of a wild card for all the reasons you talked about when it came to um saka right it's like how are they even going to line up yeah. you know it's like it's all these kind of unanswered questions and sala is a guy who is incredibly aggressive when it comes to scoring goals. And last season in game week one, they played a promoted side at home in Norwich and they clobbered them and saw like a a double digit return and I captured him. And so I'm like, why mess with what, what what seems like a very smart and simple strategy, uh, which is just a captain Salah at home in game week one to a promoted team. Um, So I've got uh, Bami and Salah. And then my 5.5 million third midfielder is, um, is St. Maximin. I, I, you know, I actually had Saka this morning. I moved to St. Maximum. Um, I have considered Daniel Potence. Um, I have, uh, I, I think Stuart Armstrong is a consideration. I, I, you know, I, I just think Dear there are Potence. a lot of, yeah, <laughs> Dear Potence. Uh, I just think there are a lot of different options in that spot. And, mm-hmm. And maybe this is just an example of a spot where you just say, you know what, I just I just want a player that I like, um, mm-hmm. and I just like Saint Maximum, and yeah. I, you know, and I, I I also think that if they sign Callum Wilson, then um, I think that that which looks like it's going to happen this week may have even happened by the time this podcast goes out. We'll see. It looks like it's like it's definitely it's like. It's at the, you know, whatever. It's at the goal line, right? It's like it's almost there. <laughs> and um, the, intri- the intriguing yeah. thing of them maybe even signing Ryan Fraser, another ex-Bournemouth boy. And it was something I was uh, asking Newcastle do, to do during our Newcastle preview is exploit the fact that they could be one of the fastest teams in the Premier League with St. Maximin, with Almiron. Right. Uh, if you bring in Fraser, it would look really exciting going forward and Callum Wilson being much more capable than Joel Ellington. So yeah, I, much, I like that. Much, pick. much, much more capable. And their fixtures are incredible. It's like the complete opposite of the way it's typically been for Newcastle. I think the last few seasons, they've had these really rough starts and they don't really have a truly bad run of fixtures until Boxing Day. Before then, it is just a sea of, of very strong fixtures. I mean, even their tougher matches are, are at home. They play Man United at home at game week five. There could be fans in the stands by then. Uh, they play uh, away to Spurs in game week three. That's not a great fixture, but it's certainly not terrible. And I mean, the, the run is so good that I actually am, am like, maybe I'm even talking myself into a, a Newcastle defender. So wow, how's okay. that for, how's that for crazy? Um, but I haven't done that yet. Uh, so, uh, and then on my bench, I have, um, I have Mason Greenwood who, uh, it feels like he's become this very unpopular, untrendy pick. I guess I'm just, it's maybe it's more of a heart pick than a stats pick. I don't know. Uh, but I, to me, I just see, again, I just see this, this run of excellent fixtures to start the season for Manetta beginning of game week two. And I see a starting wing who has a forwards tendencies 
who is available as a midfielder for 7.5 million. And he is, unless Jaden Sancho start, you know, signs with them, which really looks unlikely at this point. Um, that, that is Greenwood's spot, that spot on the right there. And I mean, certainly not going to lose to Daniel James. Right. And so no. 7.5 million to get a starting man United player who, you know, had double digit goals last season. I, I just think it's, uh, I, I just think it's very appealing. And so the Greenwood, I'm going to stash for, for game week one. Maybe that's a head over or a hard overhead pick. I don't know. I don't think it is, though, honestly. I just feel I'm just trusting my instincts on that one. Uh, and then my 4.5, I've got Basuma, kind of like you. I don't, I don't, I don't really like any of the picks. Um, Basuma seems like a pretty sure starter, though, uh, for, for, uh, Brighton. I know you're all in on Brighton this year. So I love uh, Brighton. This is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've got Basuma and then, uh, up front, um, still really undecided in that 6 million slot. I have Che Adams, your, you know, your game week one, um, blunder blunder from last season end of the season very strong uh has done well in the preseason as well though weirdly Southampton have played a ton of preseason matches they've I think they've only played two and I think one of them was like mostly youth team players and then I've got I love this idea he ended the season very strong by scoring a couple of goals congratulations Che Adams (laughs) I thought he looked good too I I I thought it felt felt like he finally got his confidence back yeah um you know because he was he was good in the chat I mean there's a reason you brought him in last year yeah yeah yeah, that's true. So, uh, but it may be Mitro. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel uh, locked in. I actually feel like this is one where I, I may actually have to go look at some stats, Brandon. I, I don't want to <laughs> do oh it. Uh-huh. It may, <laughs> it's going to have to happen, I think, um, for me to really feel confident in that one. Uh, and then I've got, and I, mean, I think I mentioned Team of Werner. I've got him too. I wonder if, if there's a way to maybe turn Werner into Jamie Vardy or Harry Kane, and maybe the Werner train is like a little. It's gotten a little off the tracks. Uh, the only issue there is his ownership is insane. Like, when did this guy become a f- almost 50% owned player in the game? Like, if this guy gets an assist, it's going to be like a million rank drop. Like, I don't know. You know, and I, I don't know. So he's also, I think, honestly, quite affordable uh, given his um, a nice run of fixtures for Chelsea. I mean, you kind of talked about this already with Werner, so yeah. I won't go into it. And then uh, and then Jimenez, um, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I there's a lot of different options, I think, in that. Um, and that 8.5 million range. And I just went with the one who I trust, uh, who is incredibly consistent. I've also left 0.5 million in the bank. And I think there's a really strong chance that I turn Jimenez into Anthony Martial for game week two. And so I would go into game week two with two Man United players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in game week three, I would move a bombing to KDB. Um, and then game week four, I'm a little like that. That one's like, I, I actually don't really like planning too many transfers in advance. I think two seems like enough. So, um, so that's where I am. Um, Brandon, I feel like we have gone on for a long time in this intro. So why don't we take a quick break and then, uh, we'll jump into some fixture talk. Great. All right, Brandon, we went so long there that we didn't get a chance to do Patreon thank yous. Uh, and if you would like to become an always cheating Patreon supporter, uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. I am conscious, Brandon, of us Mm -hmm. not pummeling our listeners with too much Patreon talk. Okay. So just... Thank you. If you want to support the pod, if you want to get an extra podcast a week, if you want to get the new Week in Review newsletter, courtesy of Mini League Mate, join the Always Cheating Cup, lots of other stuff, get free t-shirts. Uh, go to patreon.com slash alwayscheating to do that. Brandon, can you thank our new Patreon supporters? Yeah, thank you to our new supporters at the Volkswagen tier, Harry Wool and Don Norman. Lord Sorloth patrons, James Conroy, Chris Bush, Scrambled Eggs. I hope you're a Frasier fan, Scrambled Eggs. Laws <laughs> Horner, Joshua. Uh, Eamon Hogan, FC Bosta, Andrew Morton, Joel, Adam Morrow, Andrew Worrell, 
Peter Stahlbrand, Matthew Church, Nate Widom, Jack, Edvin Carlson, and John O'Gorman. And at the Pookie patron level, thank you to Christopher Murphy, Alan Wynn Jones, Luke Cummings, Matt Fielding, Scott Long, Sebastian Frost, Jonathan Hewitt, Edwin Habisher John, and Soju Hu. I hope I did justice to all your names there. Uh, and a quick word for our friends at Fantasy Football Hub. Visit them at fantasyfootballhub.co dot uk slash always where you can get a 25 percent discount on your new membership what is the hub well it is a place where you can get all of your fpl needs covered you can read listen to and watch videos of the greatest fantasy minds managing today sharing their teams and strategies through thoughtful articles and videos access all the data that includes real opta stats and easy to use player comparison tools and josh I think it's time that we meet the contributors of Fantasy Football Hub. We reached out to these contributors, and they sent us, just so we can get to know them a little bit. There's like 60. (laughs) A few of them responded. (laughs) Okay, just a a few of them, but they gave us each a little tip on how you can make fantasy fun again, which, of course, is the theme for always cheating this season. Uh, Josh, introduce us to the first Hub contributor. Yeah, and so yeah, like like you said, Brandon. Um, I just I, I really do want to hammer this point on, possibly possibly too much, Brandon. But it really it really can't be said enough because um, it's a long season, and if you are going to take everything way too seriously, uh, you can really burn out on fantasy like three weeks in and just stop playing. So um, I think it's important to keep this advice in mind. Uh, Harry, aka FPL Tips, says mini leagues. Playing with friends, competing with friends is much more entertaining than competing for overall rank. Yes, I agree with that, Harry. Have a group chat for FPL and weekly or month or forfeits like the lowest score buying the highest score a drink. I like that. Maybe just a little, you know, if you can't meet in person, maybe a little Venmo action. Mm-hmm. Right? I, yeah. You know, it's like my little uh, my little Lakers bet in our weekly poker game <laughs> <laughs> instead of virtual Venmo. Uh, it's much better that way and less stressful. Uh, Tom, our longtime friend, Tom, from who got the assist, says focus on no nonsense captains. Who cares if everyone else is getting 30 points as well? It feels good either way. I really think that's true. Uh, I don't think um, it, it feel when you captain Mosal, even if he's hugely owned and he gets a goal assist and three bonus points, that feels extremely satisfying. It sure uh, does. No, yeah, it sure does. And yeah, maybe just not worry about ownership in general. I think that's a good piece of advice. Um, FPL Rooster says, or I think it's Roycer, says, focus on high impact transfers. I actually talked about this when I was talking about my own team. I said, so it'll lead to less decision fatigue and make playing fantasy a lot more enjoyable. Um, that's definitely something I'm working on this year. And then finally, our, our, our almost, I wouldn't say real life because I've never met him in real life, but our, our, our Michigan friend, longtime friend, Eric Freeman says, never go hashtag full Maverick, but go for a fun wild punt every once in a while. If it works, you get to brag for a month. Uh, so yeah, it's all good advice. Okay, so as listeners of the Always Cheating Podcast, you can get 25% off of any membership tier at the Fantasy Football Hub. Just visit fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always. Thanks, Hub. All right, and the Always Cheating Podcast will move on right now to Game Week 1, Brandon. No break. Uh, Game Week 1 kicks off on Saturday. Uh, A little spread out. Um, They really took that 30-day rule much more seriously than I was expecting them to, (laughs) Um, to the point where there are two matches on Monday taking place at the same time. Uh, So you have, uh, on Saturday, uh, you got four fixtures, then two on Sunday, two on Monday. So let's jump right into the uh, Saturday fixtures. Uh, Kicks things off with Fulham Arsenal. And I have to say, it's not the match I would have expected to be the kickoff, but it's kind of an awesome way to like, uh-huh. there's no way there are not goals in this match, right? 
One would think. I mean, it's it's a London derby, which is fun. And uh, the original London club in Fulham hosting uh, new boys, Arsenal. Uh, but mm-hmm. the cottage always looks great on broadcast. Uh, you know, when they do have uh, four stands, it looks even better. Right. But um, it should be it should be a fun match. When we saw this matchup in October of 2018, there was a goal uh, for Fulham by Andre Schurla, and then there mm-hmm. were many goals by Arsenal, including Aaron Ramsey. And coming off the bench, Aubameyang. I can't remember exactly what his output was, but it was goals and assists. And like we are saying, Aubameyang, flat track bully. The one thing that's left to be undecided about Fulham v. Arsenal, Josh, it's not the lineups. It's actually Fulham's kit. They have, they're the one club in the Premier League who has yet to unveil their new home kit for the season. So I don't know. They could just be playing in simple V-neck t-shirts for all I know. All right. So just one question. Uh, there's a couple of questions from listeners, but just one for you as a, as a film supporter. I mean, there is a part of me that really strongly wants to have Salah and Mane for game week one and just and just kick things off with those two as my two premium midfielders. Is there any chance that Fulham's defense is good enough to stop Abba from hauling in this match? Like, is there any reason to think that this could be a tight 1-1 or, you know, 1-0 Arsenal win? You want, you know, something like where you wouldn't necessarily get massive returns from Aubameyang. You know, what do you think? Are they any better defensively? I mean, they're, I suspect they're going to be slightly better than they were in 2018. I mean, Rodak is in pretty good form as a keeper and Fulham in 2018, they couldn't figure out who their keeper was and they just had a series of unfortunate keepers. So at least Rodak is, is solid and Hector in the center, center of defense is, a much more solid central defender. So there is hope, but that said, they're just not set up to defend against a team like Arsenal. Arsenal score at least two goals in this match. I would get almost, I would guarantee it. I would guarantee it. Wow. A Brandon Kelly guarantee. Everyone is going to get $5 Venmo to them. If, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it doesn't like free, pan free, out. free tacos. If, if somebody hits the, uh, the big taco in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, yep. Right. Um, all right. A couple of questions. Uh, FPL Canada says everyone has, and I, I actually, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. And that's why I, I can't drop up on me because it just seems um, so likely. And, and his game week two, obviously is really good as well. Uh, FPL Canada says everyone has a bombing and also captain him game week one. Mm, I don't know why I'd say most, uh, but says, what will his ownership be in game week three? Could he be a 12 million differential? What do you think? Yeah, that's going to be the toughest decision for us to make. Come game week three. So like we said, Aubameyang starts with Fulham, then has West Ham. Great, great fixtures. You're almost definitely not dropping Aubameyang ahead of West Ham unless something unfortunate happens in game week one. So if he hauls in two matches, you've all planned on dropping Aubameyang to bring in De Bruyne or Sterling or Bruno Fernandes. Will you have the guts to drop him? And... Yeah, as Canada is suggesting here, does Aubameyang at that point become a differential? I don't know if that will be the case, because if he looks good, I don't think as many people are going to be inclined to drop him. So imagine this scenario. So Mm -hmm. we both went through our Game Week 1 teams, and we both have Salah and Aubameyang. So you're almost thinking going into the season, it would be horrible if both Aubameyang and Salah did really well, because then I won't know which one of them to drop for these other assets that I want, which is (laughs) hilarious to me because 
isn't that all we want in the world is for our two most expensive players to just be hauling week after week? I yeah. would love to be in a situation come game week three where my team isn't broken. I don't have to fix anything and I can just hang on to a player like Aubameyang. So I, I just think it's there's so much upside here with him. I think strategically there is a trap that people get into sometimes where they think, you know, in, in differential, right? Anybody who isn't familiar with that term, basically it's just um, it means that their uh, your their ownership is is relative, you know, is, is I don't even what would we call it? like under fifteen percent. I mean, it's not going to be under that after after two game weeks, but you know, it's it's relatively low at least compared to where everybody is moving. Everybody's moving away from that player, and you're going to hold on to them. And I think in general, it's a mistake to hold on to an expensive player when everyone is moving off because you think they're going to turn into a differential. I feel like that is rarely. Um, usually people are moving off for a reason, you know, and I just think that a way to Liverpool, a way to Man City and game weeks three and five makes it easier. I mean, I know I, I mentioned this earlier on in the pot, but I, um, that, that's my thinking. I don't know. We'll see. But like you said, I mean, if he scores five goals in the first two matches, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy to drop him, obviously. Well, so, I guess then that's yeah. the situation where we were talking about not being passive in our 10 tips for FPL success last week is, it's a bold move and it probably could be the right strategy to see Aubameyang is doing really well going into game week three and then you still drop him. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, that would be the upside chasing approach, right? As to, um, yeah. Surin uh, Sushdowski says, uh, Mitchell come back to the Premier League to haunt us once again. Uh, His ownership is going through the roof, roof, but I'm still not convinced. So we, we talked about Mitchell a little bit already. I mean, he was pretty good. I'm actually, I'm still surprised. I mean, to me, Mitro, the appeal is, is kind of as a value pick, right? Because I, I thought he was going to come in at 6.5 or seven. And so to come in at 6 million, it just feels yeah. like you're getting decent value there. Yeah. I mean, he, you can argue about the quality of Mitro, the quality of uh, Fulham, but the, the real, the argument you're having FPL wise is the price tag. And Mitro at 6.0 is just an entirely different conversation. And also like, what is it going to take you to be convinced of Mitrovic? Like, how am I going to convince you? Um, I'm going to, <laughs> you're going to be, goals, you know, he had the most shots ago. in the premier league in the 2018, 19 season. I mean, it came, it didn't come to much, but he is an active striker and that's what you want from an FPL asset. Somebody who is taking shots in the box yeah. and you'll be convinced when you either you will, or you won't be convinced when you see him play. So if you don't want to deal with him in game week one, then just don't deal with him. And you'll be able to you'll be able to see see with your eyes once we actually see Fulham play. I thought he had a nice assist to Joe Bryan in that championship final too. Um, like it made it seem like maybe he's like a little more complete than he was a couple of years ago. Like he's really going to take it a step backwards, right? So most shots two years ago led the league and um, love love the championship and goals, right? And won the Golden Boot last yeah. season yes. in the championship. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think I'm probably going to end up going with Mitro over Adams. It also just seems like it's more fun. I don't know. <laughs> like just yeah. having Mitro seems like a blast. Whereas having Che Adams, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Kind of from the start. Let's move on to um, the the 3 p.m.s. Those are uh, the 10 a.m.s uh, U.S. time. Uh, we have uh, Palace Southampton. It's kind of a weird like it's a, it's a they, they kind of suck the two worst matches of the weekend on this window here. Uh, I guess the West Brom Leicester. So you have you have Palace Southampton, and then uh, actually I guess West Ham Newcastle. I'm, I'm talking myself into this one. West Ham Newcastle could be fun. Palace Southampton. Uh, that's like a, a match for a fantasy manager more than a more than a uh, a pure watch, Brandon. Yeah. Um, 
So what, uh, you know, do you, I mean, I, we don't even have to go into this one too long. Uh, we don't have any questions about it. Um, I, the one thing I want to ask you about is, is Danny Ings. Um, we haven't talked about him a lot. I mean, he, he really was quite good last season. And, um, you know, you could argue that he, he overperformed his, his XG a little bit. But I think his XG was still like, was like 16 or 17? You know, it wasn't high. like, yeah, still pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, he had an excellent season. Um, by all accounts, Southampton are a team that, that, that looked to have gelled, right? And like, you know, I don't think anyone thinks they're champ, you know, they're champions league contenders, but like eighth place, like, sure, that's a possibility. And so have you, have you considered Ings at all for your, for your team? I think he's too expensive. You going back to what we were saying about Mitrovic, like it, 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 the the FPL lens that you look through, it makes it really difficult to say. Well, yes, uh, Ings is the better striker than Mitrovic, but when you take the prices into account, suddenly Mitrovic is the better striker. And I just think that is the case when there is a two point five million price difference between the two, and. I still think Palace is Palace has a few defensive injuries, but if Roy Hodgson has proved anything at Palace, it's that he can set up that defense and they are generally pretty tight, assuming Sacco isn't playing. So I think this isn't going to be an interesting match because I suspect Palace and Southampton want to be fighting over the same position in the Premier League table this season. So if if I had to guess, I'd say it's going to be a pretty tight affair. Yeah, I. That's kind of how I feel too. Although I, I do think that Southampton scoring this match, I'm sort of interested in Southampton in general. I mean, when you look at Adams and Ward, Prowse, Armstrong, even Smallbone at 4.5 million, I think there's a, you know possibly interesting. There's there's a lot of um, I, I, yeah, but it's like. I, I, I'm like reluctant to invest outside of their defense, which is super cheap, uh, without seen a little bit more. Um, and you know, maybe that's just on me. Like I have to go watch some, like, I don't even know, like clips of Stuart Armstrong or look at his numbers from last season a little more closely. Um, I, you know, he's someone that I, that could maybe end up being my 5.5 million midfielder, but I just, I wouldn't be basing it on anything, but like, like people on Twitter or whatever, you know, and that's just not a good, like basing your, like buying a player because someone on Twitter said it, you don't actually do any research yourself. It's just in general, a a bad strategy. All right. So let's move on to West Ham, Newcastle. We've got one question here. Um, and I, I talked about this a little bit already, so I'll just, I'll get your thoughts though. Uh, Josh mm-hmm. Wilson says, uh, thoughts on St. Max now that Wilson is likely signed at Newcastle. Uh, does it make him a more tempting pick? I don't know. Does it make Callum Wilson a more tempting pick as opposed to mm-hmm. St. Maximin? Uh, so it, you, you don't want to yeah. find yourself in a position where, you're taking the cheaper asset on a team just because they're the cheaper asset when it's going to be Callum Wilson, who's probably going to be scoring right. most of the points. I suspect Wilson is going to be on penalties once he makes it to um, Newcastle. So I just right. suddenly I find Wilson to be this appealing player. I mean, I imagine think, if yeah. Callum Wilson comes in around $7 million, I I think mm-hmm. that would be rather tempting. That's interesting. If Wilson came in at seven million, that actually like is like legit interesting. Like any more than that, and it just feels like too much money for a Newcastle player. Agreed. Um, I mean, part of the appeal for Sam Maximin is that you're only spending five point five million, right? It's like it just you know, even if it doesn't work out, it's it's it does not upend your team structure to have somebody like him in it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he may not be the right pick, but it's it's not going to cost you the way it is if you if you get the. This, you know, Salah versus Mane, yep. 
you know, issue issue wrong. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I again, like same X Men. I just I just enjoy watching him play. I think he's super talented. Um, he really, I mean, he scored three goals and five assists last season, and half five assists, and he did it without a real forward, right? I mean, like Joe Linton is terrible. Um, Gail was okay, I guess, near the end. Andy Carroll can't stay healthy. Uh, Muda, they're looking to move on already, even though he scored that one goal in the United match. He's only scored one goal in two seasons. And Gail's out for the start of the season, too, so that's competition that's done. Yep. So, I mean, if if, if Wilson signs, he's going to slot right in right away. We already talked about the Newcastle fixture. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we'll we'll do our uh, bonus pod this week. Uh, Maybe, you know, I'll end up doing that one together. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Wilson. Uh, on there. So let's, yeah. let's move on to the Liverpool Leeds match. And a question here that I, I feel like is, is a, like a, um, what's the word? Burbling. That's not a word. I don't know. Uh, like bubbling under the surface. <laughs> a lot of people are, are like, maybe I can go without Liverpool. Maybe I cannot have Liverpool. And uh, I just picked one. I had s- several questions about this. I just picked one. Uh, Tia Baca says, I'm considering going without any Liverpool premiums like Bruno Sterling, Abba and son interest me much more to be honest, but it's like common knowledge to double or triple up on pool. Am I crazy to go without any Liverpool? players no you're not crazy teo but uh i wouldn't do it and i tried this same thing last season and it was one of the (laughs) yeah i'm the poster boy (laughs) for this strategy and it was one of the things that torpedoed my rank for the the season and i put all my chips into the manchester city pool and took them all all my resources out of i'm mixing my metaphors here took them all out of liverpool and it's 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 worth reminding yourself that it's better for you to have players from the absolute best teams in the league. You don't want to end right. up with a fantasy team where suddenly all your players are from the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh best team in the league. Liverpool are going to. So the logic I, I sort of landed on when I made this, this mistake last season was, well, Liverpool end up winning their games one nil, two nil, two one, three one. Whereas City win their games five one, six one. So why not just forego Liverpool to go to City? Well, the fact is Liverpool are still winning all those games. They're still scoring goals in all those games. These assets mm-hmm. might feel expensive, but they're returning for you and they're well worth it. And as you were saying, Josh, about Salah, we've got three seasons worth of worth of yeah. FPL output to show us how much how well worth it they are. Yeah, Salah's got 73 goals and 34 assists over the last, and God knows how many bonus points over the last uh, three seasons. You're going to talk yourself out of Salah because he didn't look great in preseason or, you know, at the end of the summer when everything was weird and Liverpool had clinched and had nothing to play for. And he didn't even play a couple of those matches. I don't know. And he was also like desperate to win the golden boot, which I don't think was like served him well. I, I don't feel like he played within himself uh, the way yeah. that he should have. So um, I, I just, I, I'm dismissing the the summer and the preseason. Um, I just, I, I'm going to go with the three-year track record and assume that that is the real Mo Salah. So the general response here of this actual fixture, Liverpool v. Leeds is, well, you don't really get the fact that Bielsa is a phenomenal world-class manager and Leeds are going to be a stronger team than a lot of us realize how much stock right. are you putting into that? Just looking at game week one and Man, the competition that Leeds is going to put up Jürgen, against Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp eats phenomenal managers for breakfast. Okay. He's like, all he does is like make champions league finals and like 
he beat Pep Guardiola and like I, I don't know. It's like I like that doesn't bother me at all. Like Liverpool are playing their first match of the new season after winning the Premier League. They're going to go out there like with their with their tails up. I just think they're going to. I think they're going to kick Leeds' ass. I honestly do. I think they're going to win like four nil. Yeah, I I tend to agree that Liverpool will will win this match pretty pretty handily. We, I, I'm I'm excited to see how Leeds and Bielsa get on throughout the course of the season. But uh, yeah, I mean. The Bielsa is still finding his top gear. Yeah, he's a great manager, but I mean, he doesn't have the horses. I don't think to to. I mean, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, sure, like any anyone, you know, it's it's the Premier League. It's 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 not like uh, some of the other leagues where it's it's much harder for like you know, it's not like you know, trying to beat Bayern or something like that. Um, you know, like they 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 could happen, but I just think it's very unlikely. Um, all right, so let's move on to, and then the defenders, well, you know, let's, let's just move on. We talk about Liverpool. We'll, we'll talk about Liverpool like for like 20 minutes every podcast for like the next yep. like nine months. So I think we can we can move on here. Uh, move on to Sunday, and it's um, Leicester visit West Brom. And West Brom probably deserves to have gotten a little more coverage on this podcast. Um, I, I don't see them being a team that is going to be super relevant, uh, but sometimes it is, it is that very conversation on relevancy that – um, and like, and like in the low ownership that, that sort of makes them intriguing. And, you know, the one player who I'm a little intrigued by is, is, is Grady. Um, is it Grady? Is it Dianga? Diangana? I think that's Diangana. I think is how you say his name. And I'm okay. You're on your own on that one. Butchered, butchered pronunciation, but, uh, he was fantastic last season for West Brom in the championship, uh, and then got injured. And so I missed a uh, big, I think he had something like five goals and six assists before he got injured in December. And, uh, but just, you know, was really happy at West Brom apparently. And, um, and why wouldn't West you be, Ham, Josh? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they only helped him get promoted, you know? Um, and so, um, so West Brom, um, you know, considered a very talented young player, uh, West Brom to the surprise of many West Brom players, um, was, was sold on, or I mean, excuse me, to the surprise of many West Ham players, uh, was sold on to West Brom and, uh, uh, now looks like it could be a really promising asset. I wish he came in at 5 million at 5.5. It's, it feels a little high to take a risk just out of the gate. Uh, but you know, I, I'm not necessarily one who keeps watch lists. Maybe I should, uh, but I think um, that he's he's one that I've definitely got my eye on uh, moving forward. Especially if if St. Maxman doesn't work out, and um, they have a pretty decent run of fixtures to start out the season as well. West Brom, you know, as far as this match itself goes, though, um, I feel like they still have like a forward issue. They still have to work out too. You know, I I mean, do you see any reason why Leicester wouldn't win this match? Uh, <laughs> no. You know? no, no, I I, I don't. Uh, West West Brom will probably be straight back down. They. You know, despite the signing you were just talking about, they haven't signed much or signed very well over the, over the break. So they're they're going to struggle struggle for goals. So it, it does make the Justin pick for Leicester kind of intriguing for game week one. But we we talked about this in our Leicester previews. Just Leicester's run isn't amazing to start the season, and they are just a bit in, in a bit of an odd place right now. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm not intrigued, and Jamie Vardy would would be the asset to get, but he is just too expensive. You, when we're talking about having two 12 million midfielders, and there's there's and just Werner. no room left, and Werner, and there's just no yeah. room left for a 10 million Jamie Vardy. Yeah, I'm with you on Jamie Vardy. I just think he's he's too expensive. I, I actually was trying to find a way to fit him in last night, um, and it's just getting that that 1.5 million from. 
from Jimenez to Vardy. And I just think that Jimenez could get equal Vardy's uh, returns. And so uh, it didn't seem worth it to upend my team to do it. And then, you know, I think Justin is just a little bit at risk now because of this um, Castagna signing. He's uh, joined from Atalanta, um, part of that really good Atalanta team that made it to, um, I think it was the Champions League quarterfinals, right? Mm-hmm. It was then PSG yeah. scored those two late goals. And uh, the 5.5 million plays as a right back or a right midfielder. Um, so I think that Justin is very much at risk. I, I don't know how that works out with Pereira when or Perea when they when they when he rejoins, but um, that's who knows when Pereira's coming back, right? I think that's still a ways off. Yeah. So um, then there's one of the match on Sunday, uh, Spurs Everton. Uh, got a few questions here about Spurs. We have not talked about Spurs that much either, surprisingly. We talked about their defense a little bit. Interesting that neither of us have really, I mean, I've considered Sun a little bit, um, but let's get into some questions here. Espen Larson says, since the league starts in September, why shouldn't Kane be in everyone's team? <laughs> Why? Well, we, we've talked about price. We, we've talked about price points, and there is a problem with that price point at ten and above. We were just we were just talking about how hard it is to fit Jamie Vardy into the team, and talk about the accumulation of all of our knowledge. And you know, Kane has had some amazing seasons, but the last two seasons have been on the decline for Kane mm-hmm. FPL wise. So, to me. The Spurs attack, and I would include Sun and all of them in it. I just I want to see them do something before I decide where I want to invest. Because not not to be totally negative, to be positive, they have other players that could be really great FPL assets. From Sun to Deli Ali, uh, Lacelso is a bit of a stretch, but maybe it isn't doesn't end up being Kane who you want from this team. So it's just a lot of money for me to splash on a player where there are other players for Spurs that might be or turn out to be better FPL players, you know? Yeah. I also worry about how much, the, and that's actually the problem with, um, with Davis too, is, you know, how much of these players going to be involved in the Europa league, um, in these qualifying matches. I mean, they do have to travel to Eastern Europe for uh, a match. I think it's this, I, I, I guess, I guess it must be the, it's the Thursday after the season starts. Um, they have to travel away for that. And so, you know, I don't know if they actually really play a full strength side in that at all, but like, it's still a little bit of a worry, right? Like they still have to travel yeah. and you'd think that, I don't, you know, do they keep Son and Kane home for that one. It just, it feels like it's, even if they do, it's like the fact that we don't know what's going to happen there just adds this like layer of, of awkwardness, you know, and like, yeah. you know, if they don't win decisively enough on the road, they're going to have to play them in the next week. And, um, and son is not a player who they typically try to put like a ton of tread on his tires. Yeah. So, um, you want to talk so, about yeah, the yeah. Europa league commitments Spurs have eight matches in 18 days at the start of the season. It's an insane fixture pileup. Okay, let's move on to another Spurs question here, Brandon. Danny Bean says, does the Spurs, have you seen the Spurs documentary yet, Brandon? Have you watched any episodes of this? No, I'm not a prime subscriber here in the States, so I haven't had the opportunity to watch it. Okay. Uh, I watched them last night. It's okay. I enjoyed parts of it. Um, It may be sad to see Pochettino again and um, realize that, like, he made the Champions League final and then they had, like, a bad run to start the season and he got sacked. Like, I guess they maybe left on mutual terms or whatever. But like, what a weird thing. Like, who doesn't want Pochettino as their manager? It's like the yeah. players should go. Like, why don't don't sack him, you know? Uh, <laughs> but that was just a weird situation. It, it, it was weird, but it was it, – that, that squad was falling apart 
it's so it makes it so much funnier that Jose Mourinho ended up being the one to replace Pochettino because at the end of Pochettino's run there, it reminded me of when Chelsea was falling apart that last in that last stint that Jose had at the club, where it's just like no players wanted to play. No one wanted to be there. Nothing was working. The manager had yeah. to go. And it just seemed like weird that the players just quit on Pochettino. That was my reading on it. I know. And just like, is that in him or is that on the players? You know, so that's strange. Um, anyway, Danny Bean says, does the Spurs documentary make you want to put their players in your team? Uh, he says, because I had none, watched one episode and now have three. Uh, I think we all know about that, Brandon. I mean, that's why you've got uh, Mario Lamina in your team, right? It's like you want you want to have you, you like you you fall in love with your own people, you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah you, you fall in love with your own people. I guess you you see these players in these documentaries, and Danny says they're just like me. Um, yeah, Eric Dyer speaks Portuguese, though. I don't I don't do that. I'm not that cool. That guy is so cool, Brandon. Uh, all right. Uh, one question here about Everton. We're going to talk a lot more about them in the future. We just didn't really have time to get into other. They signed like 27 midfielders in the last week. It's kind of insane. Uh, I, I To me, that whole team is like a kind of wait and see. Um, but Law says, is DCL worth the extra million over Mitro? Uh, I'm being swayed by the argument that Everton are sort of on the midfield and are no longer on the beach. I don't know. DCL, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, DCL is a great striker. They're, the Everton's midfield evaporated uh, in the middle of last season, and it was just a bad scene. You want to have some level of trust in a world-class manager like Ancelotti? If you're going to give Bielsa all this credit, are you not going to give Ancelotti the same degree of credit? So yeah. he's brought in some continental midfielders in James Rodriguez and Allen, and um, who's the one I'm... I'm Decore, most likely. Yeah, Decore, uh, who, I mean, th- that's a really interesting mix uh, of players that each brings a, a different yep. thing to the table. And I think Don't that, forget Tom Davies. <laughs> Tom Davies pulling <laughs> all the strings. So I could see I could see there being a moment in the season where we're having to make difficult decisions between Richarlison and, and DCL. But yeah. it's sort of like, as I was saying with be it Spurs or uh, or if you're not convinced like somebody with Mitrovic, just give it a couple of weeks and see what they yeah. look like. And it's not it's not like everyone's going to move heaven and earth after game week one to get all these Everton players in um, unless they just absolutely batter Spurs. I think yeah. I think it, 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 it just it's just not going to be that kind of a game where a player like like DCL is going to emerge as a must have. Maybe he gets a goal. So he's not. You're not going to be priced out of DCL by the time we get to game week two. Is my point. I think that's that's a good point. Um, I hadn't even thought about the the price part of it, which I think does make. If anything, that if anything, I think there might be some. Um, I, I think there might be some adjustments that have to take place with the new team, and the prices could even go down. You know, and so I, I think like sometimes like saying like wait and see feels like very unbold, you know, and kind of. Um, uncourageous or something but I, I just think in this case like it's just true like you can't add and andre gomez missed a ton of ma- matches last season as well right so like yeah you basically in a situation where you have an entirely new midfield and like none of them have played together before um it could work out great from the start but it seems unlikely it usually doesn't work that way um and so why not just wait three or four weeks and and then if it works out, then you can start spending some transfers on them you know like you were saying so i, I think just yeah i think it's a wait and see with that team. 
moves us to Monday, Brandon. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got two matches on Monday at the same time, which is kind of a shame. I wish they had spread those out a little bit, but because I'm, I'm excited about both of them. Uh, they're both really good matches and, and really interesting. You have Brighton, Chelsea. Uh, and Brighton have sort of, um, I think people are getting, they had a fun start and then they were kind of bad the middle, like 27 weeks. And then I uh, got a little they got kind of fun at the end again. Uh, and then you have Chelsea who are just completely remade. And so um, I think it's, it's going to be a really interesting match. A couple of questions here. Uh, Benny Blanco says, does the number of attacking options at Chelsea excite or concern you? I think it's a great problem to have if you have uh, if you have too many attacking options for Chelsea. And the great thing is, is, you know, the the uh, team that I would correlate it to from a fantasy perspective would be Manchester City, like the same type of uh, setup where you have a ton of interesting attacking FPL assets. And if you if you say that's true of Chelsea, if they put it all together, they're much cheaper than those Manchester City assets. So yeah. if it all works, these are quite affordable and they would allow it. Chelsea will allow you to even double up, uh, whether it's with Werner and Havertz, Werner and Pulisic or just two midfielders. So many different yeah. combinations that could end up working. I think it's cool. I think, yeah, I mean, Pulisic is actually the one where I'm like, how does it even work? Like, do you play him as a number 10 or something? You know, it's like, it's really, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but I, I agree it's exciting. And if anything, I feel like it, I can't remember ever going into a season where there were this many interesting players that I wanted to have in my squad. Um, it would have been even crazier if Man United and Man City both played in game week one. Um, you know, Red Dagger says about Herberts, and we, we talked about him before, um, you know, he's awesome, fun, really fun player to watch in the Bundesliga. Um, he says, you know, does Herbert uh, start right from the beginning? Um, he does seem like a steal at 8.5. I agree. I think that price is is excellent. There are some actually issues with Chelsea. He may have to start right off the bat just, just to plug in for, for some injured players. Looks like uh, Ziyech might be um, out the first um, mm-hmm. uh, the first match. Um, but I don't know. 8.5 is a really tricky price point. I mean, you know. You've got to really that, believe in the player yeah, at 8.5, totally. I think. Yeah, I mean, Pulisic, um, you know, was a player who a lot of people had beginning of game week one last season. I actually don't think he got his first start until game week four or something yeah. like that. He did have a, you know, a few weeks to to get himself integrated into the team before he started yeah. to start. So, um, you know, I, I, even though Herbert signed for a ton of money, I, I I just I don't know that he's in there right off the bat. And even if he if he does start, is he is he, you know, is he banging in thirteen point hauls like immediately? Like, yeah, who knows? You know, just too much of a risk. Um, then Chef United Wolves, um, just an interesting game, I think. I mean, I think Chef United, I mean, the question there is just like, do they, are they for real, you know, or are they, um, like, do mm-hmm. they just, have they not done enough up front, basically, to be um, an interesting team this season? Yeah, I'm a little worried about Sheffield United going into the season. And uh, I, I just don't think you can expect what we saw last season. Though that said, it kind of also flips the other way of how excited are you to own Wolves assets going into game weeks one and two with Sheffield United followed by Manchester City? You know, I, I think it's really um, it's really tricky. I mean, in some ways, having someone like Jimenez for Man City, I think is fine uh, because he honestly has a pretty strong track record. I think he had three goals and one assist in their two matches last season against Man City. Um, the Man City attacking style does seem to really help Wolves on the counter. Um, 
I, I, you know, Traore, I guess, I, I guess the question is whether he, I think he, you know, he had, he got COVID, right? Yeah. So he's being I, quarantined right now. He's quarantined. So will he be ready, you know, to, to start maybe by game week two? I mean, assuming he's, he's healthy and okay. Um, I don't think the Sheffield United fixture away is quite as bad as the four fixture difficulty rating for it would make you believe. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that um, I I just I really have a lot of faith in the Wolves' defense. Um, I mostly because it's they they kept Cody, Bully, and Sace, and um, those three have just uh, you know um, been really strong. Yeah. yeah, they're really solid, and so um, I, I just feel good about as long as they're back there. I feel like um, they're not going to make a ton of mistakes, even though they are obviously replacing Matt Matt Doherty and and then Johnny's injured until like January. So um, you know, it'd be a little bit of a change. I guess the worry here would be. Um, you know, if they, um, if Jimenez moves, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I guess they, they just signed that 18 year old. I can't think of his name right now. I forgot it, but the, 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 the new wolves signing, what, what an awesome looking dude he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's so young though. I mean, Fabio I mean, Silva. Yeah. He's not played that much football, so I can't imagine they've signed him to slot in as their slot starting in. number nine. Totally. No, I don't yeah. think so either. Uh, and then just quickly the, the teams that aren't playing, um, uh, Mike DiPietro, just big picture question. How many players that fixtures of game week one are safe to have in your squad? Uh, I'm going with one. You're going with one as well. Would you yeah. consider more than one? I wouldn't because I still go back to what I've been saying throughout the preseason as you know, City don't have some amazing start to the season. They've got a, some some tricky fixtures, and I think they warrant just a slow working of them into your squad. And we're helped by what you were saying, Josh, about how there are just so many other players that we want to have that could be be great assets to start the season. See, I, I feel like we can kind of get away with it. Manchester United having the better fixture run is a little trickier, but we're both starting with one Manchester United player in game week one, and I feel pretty good about that. If you're going to have players from City and United, they're going to be of the premium variety, and having two premium players on your bench at game week one I, I'd feel bad about that. That does not sound fun to me. feels like you're throwing away game week one just yeah. to set yourself up long-term. Then one final question, uh, Mick says, Man United assets, uh, how are we supposed to rank Bruno, Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood? Uh, you know, to me, this is basically a, um, this is just like I was talking about before. There are just too many good players this season and you have to make some cuts somewhere. And I think that I, I just may not have Bruno Fernandez as, as much as I admire him as a player. I just don't know. I don't know how I can have Bruno Fernandez, Evan, Kevin De Bruyne, and Mo Salah, and Timo Werner, and and somehow have any other players, you know, in my in my squad. Well, it's what you said earlier in the show, Josh, was to look at your game week one team and say, okay, I'm going to set and forget these cheap players, and the game will start when I start moving around all of my premium assets. So it's not that you have to rank Bruno, Rash, Martial, and Greenwood. Maybe you're going to have all of them throughout the course of the season because they'll you know, they'll have their spurts of form. So just be ready to, to be move to, to move quickly, to be active, to not be passive. All right, Brad, let's take one last final short, short, short break. And then we'll get back with our lightning round. Sundays, Sundays are back guys. They're back in the NFL with NFL Sunday TV. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. 
Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Brandon, you and I have counted on restaurants. Now they are counting on us. I, feel, I very strongly believe in this, Brandon. I, we have to. I, I have to. I, as much as I love to eat out, I also have to do it to support these restaurants. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the, you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. I have done this with DoorDash several times personally, Brandon, and it's worked out beautifully every time. Right now, our listeners, the Irish Union listeners, can get $5 off and zero delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's BLUEWIRE with no space. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Brian, we're back. Lightning round. For anyone who is new to the lightning round, every question gets an answer 30 seconds or less. We never, ever, ever break that rule. We No never exceptions. Will. No exceptions. Exactly. All right. Here we go. Jack says, how are you navigating the transfer window closing well after the first matches start? I mean, is, is it really that... Is it really that different than any other transfer window? The transfer window usually closes at the end of September when the season starts in August. Do I have yeah. that right? Um, yeah. yeah. Last year was a little different, but usually, the, yeah, it's like August 31st or whatever is the last day. I mean, you, you can only, it's like we like to say, you can only play the game week in front of you. You can only play the FPL assets that are at your disposal. Jack, I, I wouldn't lose any sleep over this. And, if new players come in uh, after the the season starts, it's like we were saying with uh, a lot of these new are already new players who will still need to be bedded into their clubs. It's just going to take time. And if you, you see after game week two, some new player comes into a club that you're interested in, it's still going to take a couple of game weeks before we really kind of understand if they're even going to get a start. So uh, I don't feel like there's any big rush here. No, um, I, the only thing that uh, it makes me think about is is waiting to use my wild card. Um, and I, I thought about being really aggressive, going all in a game week one, and then wild carding in game week two. Um, and this makes me less inclined to do that because um, I feel like if something like Jaden Sancho signs or you know Messi for a while was was the one that that was at risk, you know. And so um, I just think that I want to have the door open um, in case some big changes happen in the transfer window. Yeah, it's a good uh, point. I mean, even some players who might leave, right? Like, like you know, um, you know Matt, Matt Richard, we talked about him a while ago. It sounds like he actually might be like a make weight in a, a deal. Like if Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson both sign for Bournemouth, um, Richie may actually go that way. So um, kind of interesting. God, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, Eric Freeman uh, says, what players? It's two times in one podcast, Brandon. He says, what players are you most afraid of, not only for game week one, that you can't or won't put into your team? Oh, that I can't or won't. I I guess Mane. So we've we've talked about mm-hmm. Mane's preseason being being pretty good, and you do have to make this decision of where where does that where does that choice get made? And we we chose Salah. So 
Monica yeah. could just turn yeah. around and 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 do a favor to all those managers who decided to zig instead of zag with Salah. Yeah, I think uh, you know Harry Kane uh, is also up there. Um, not, I'm not as afraid because his ownership isn't going to be crazy high. Uh, true of Mane, I guess a little bit too. But uh, Harry Kane's the one where I'm like, I just I, part of me is like, I, should I just go Kane over Werner? You know, there's a part of me that feels like that might actually be the best, the best move. Um, of course, he's also a million more expensive, which is which is why I haven't done it so far. Um, if they if they were the same price, I, I would really strongly consider Kane though over Werner. Um, Mikey says, are pre-planned transfers a good or bad idea? Well, they're good. I mean, it, it, I think the idea is like pre-planning isn't that it's good or bad. It's how beholden are you? So you have to be open to the fact that your plans might have to change um, at a moment's notice. So you've mm-hmm. planned two weeks in advance. There's a lot of stuff that could happen in one week that that ought to change what that two week plan is, but you don't want to be so stubborn that you won't change your plan. Um, so it, th- does that make sense? Like it's good to plan, but yeah. don't be too strict about how we, how you, according to plan you go. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that's, I think that's true. Um, I think, um, maybe the way the, the spin I would put on it is just like a, I, I, you know, I think we actually talked about this a little bit earlier in the pod. Um, it's been a long podcast, Brandon. Uh, but there are people I've seen people post like, here's like my first six transfers or something. And I'm like, if you've never like if you never played, that's a strategy. <laughs> if you've played before, that is not a strategy because, like, it's like you know, it's like the Mike Tyson thing. Like everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You know, it's like you. We know, like when we do our by the time we do next week's podcast, we're going to be through these matches. It's going to be chaos. Like three players are going to get injured. Seven are going to have COVID. You know, it's going to be like a like it's going to be like a disaster area, and all of our beautiful planning is is going to go down the drain. And so I think like planning like two transfers ahead two game weeks i think that seems fine anything more than two i just feel like you're really um um not being realistic um you know as far as uh, the chaos that's gonna it's gonna visit your team or just like bad returns i have been in situations though where i have made a rash transfer i i felt like i i wanted to get a player in like two or three weeks and i make a a rash transfer in the meantime, that means I actually can't make that move three weeks down the line. So that's yeah. where planning actually has helped me is just be aware of what you're doing in the short term and how that could impact your long term plans. Um, all right. Uh, question here from Boston Prophets. Good question. Um, although I, I think we've kind of answered it with our own teams. Um, it says, who is the best purchase at the lowest price for each position? Um, so, you know, the cheapest goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, and forward. So I think for, um, for keeper, we both got Nyland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a rumor that button might yeah. be going to, uh, is it West Brom to give a little competition to Johnstone? Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. so everyone's a little worried about, uh, what's going on with button, especially if you've gone for Matt Ryan plus button and you're like, okay, no matter what happens at Brighton, I have a keeper there. No problem. Yeah. I don't even see button list anymore for Brighton. Has, has that already happened? I don't know. Um, oh yeah. He's there. Yeah. Br- yeah. So I guess that that's already gone through. Oh, it's already gone through. West okay. Brown. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, maybe button, button Johnstone. Very interesting. Okay. So maybe we, God, could we end up having Nyland and button? We have two, 4 million keepers <laughs> at least for a while. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Interesting. 
I'm not uh, convinced that, awesome. that Nyland is going to start, though. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's not that I'm not convinced. It's just it's just not for certain. I mean, Nyland was sure. not a great keeper for Villa when he had to play for them last season. I, Steers yeah. were ready to come in as not well. Better. So it's 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 a coin toss right now. Steers bad. Nyland's bad. <laughs> They're all bad. Wasn't that great when he played? <laughs> um all right. Uh, then the yeah, mid, mid uh, I think, you know, defender, I think there's a couple, you know, who knows, right? I mean, t- I, I said Tyreek Mitchell, you have um, Barry Douglas. Yeah, Barry Douglas. Um, you know, there for a while there, it looked like uh, Ferguson, but he's, yeah. he got injured. So yeah. um, I don't know, there's, there's usually one or two. Um, and like you said, they usually count, they usually emerge once the season starts. Um, so I think um, like, I, 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 like Braithwaite, I'm seeing has some ownership. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Jared Braithwaite, is he going to start? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Who yeah. Knows? That's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. The Midfield. mids and forwards is a just disaster zone. Um, just like put up really the red is. caution tape. Don't go there. <laughs> so true. And, you know, I actually feel like I'm, I'm forced to play three forwards because there are no, there are no cheap uh third like you know it's like i mean it's, it's all well and good to play like a 442 or a you know 352 or whatever as a formation but you you know but if there's no one that you can get at 4.5 4. million like you, you might need that like you know especially you know like we just don't know what's going to happen this season like you want to be able to at least get like two or three points you know off the bench um that's my thinking anyways i mean you know i don't know so it just feels like i i, I mean davis maybe i guess he might be the pick right is, is keenan davis going to get some minutes he did he did in the summer i don't know who knows josh let's our time the 30 <laughs> seconds is up <laughs> all right fair enough uh, all right two more questions uh, evan says uh because of potential covid cases um actually these are these are the same question so we can just say them back to back uh because of potential covid cases um should we have two playing goalkeepers just in case um, and then SWAT says, um, is the case of Suchek isolating because of COVID, uh, potentially missing game week one, which is a real bummer. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, we should know more this week about that. He was isolated and he's, he's passed negative on his test. If Suchek comes back, I actually think that could, that could create some interesting dilemmas. Um, yeah, he's in know, that 5.5 bracket, isn't he? He's he, only five, actually. He's only so, five. Okay, even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the COVID thing, I mean... I suppose it actually is it is changing my strategy a little bit. I think in a normal season I would be okay having one or even two players who just didn't play at all. Um and because of COVID, I feel like I'm a little more cautious about having some bench depth. Yeah, I think it's a good policy because it's it is the it could happen at any moment sort of a thing. Right. I, yep. part, my my initial reaction though, particularly for Evan's question of should you have two playing goalkeepers because of what could happen with COVID and <laughs> My initial reaction is I just don't know if I can play that way. Just like playing out of fear of what might happen. Maybe you just have to address it when it comes up uh, and, yeah. and, and take it from there. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you don't want to build a whole strategy around what may or may not happen. It's going to hurt everyone fairly equally. And and again, those bench players don't pick up that many points for you anyway. So I, I don't think it's like worth having a bunch of really good players Ab- absolutely not the end of the world if one week you end up with not a playing goalkeeper like how many times have you had a playing goalkeeper josh that got zero points that actually got negative two points so <laughs> yes, um you'll all sur- the time you'll yep. survive yep 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't been Ben Foster, I think, a few times this summer. Um, all right, so uh, final, that, that's, that's the end of the lightning round. Uh, final, final bonus section here. A little more make fantasy fun again. Advice, Brandon, I cannot stress this enough. It's what we're going to really try to focus on this year. It's like if I say it enough out loud, I'm going to like speak truth to power or sure. something, Brandon. I'm yeah. going to like, you know, convince myself that this is the way I'm going to play this year. Um, so a couple pieces of advice, uh, two from listeners and then one from each of us. Uh, Late Riser uh, 12, Pernell Seth says, make decisions based on what you see on the pitch and not on a data site. I like that. I would actually, I would, I would add social media to that as well. Yes, it, Twitter is not a data site for those out there who think it is. The next <laughs> so one comes people, from the, the yeah. People, people dump data on there, but usually it's without without a lot of context. Yeah, that's true. All right, the next one comes from that Joe guy. Pick one fun player that you like, mid price, easy to swap out, but just someone that you enjoy watching. Doubles the joy if they haul. And I'm, I'm thinking of like it is right in that five to six million price bracket where you can. You can A, get away with uh, a fun pick of your choice, and B, that's the price point where they actually do have potential to return. Uh, so yep. I, I, I like that idea, Joe. And then one bonus piece from each of us. Um, I'll go first here. Uh, for me, it's um, just play, um, make choices that you want to make and don't. Um, I, like I feel, This feels like a very like obvious thing to say, but I find myself often talked out of decisions based on like social media conversations that are taking place. And, um, and it sort of gets in my head a little bit and I, it almost never works out in my favor. I feel like I'm not, it does not help me to listen to what people are telling me to do. Or like if I post my team a couple days before the deadline and, and everyone's like, you can't have them or whatever. Like I'll like trust some stranger over my own impression sometimes. And it's like, it's not fun and it's not, it doesn't work usually anyway. Yeah. My piece of advice this week, it's like you live in New York or you live in some some part of the world and your parents come to visit you. And when they come to visit, you end up doing all the touristy things that you wouldn't do otherwise. And suddenly you're having fun and you're seeing the place where you live in a different way. And I had this when my parents would come visit me in New York uh, early on when I had first moved here. And you go to the Empire State Building, and you're like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. I live in a pretty cool p- place. So uh, a couple weeks ago, an old friend of mine from childhood who I actually grew up playing soccer with reached out to me and said, hey, I'm interested in playing FPL this season. And it has been a lot of fun the last couple of weeks just texting him back and forth like, oh, this is the strategies, the strategies that I like to use. What are you thinking for your team? And it's given me a new appreciation of where I live in FPL, introducing it to somebody new. So I think that's a good piece of advice to help make it fun is try to introduce FPL to somebody new in your life. That's a good, I like that. Um, I wonder if I could actually do that myself, if, you know, if there's enough time, uh, you know, one week left to go. Maybe yeah. I try to get my brother back in. Hey, my brother used to play fantasy. Yeah. What about your three-year-old? Uh, yeah. You know, honestly, that might be more true this year. Maybe I can get my wife. Oh, that'd be there you interesting. Go. Um, but, you know, one thing, um, yeah, a lot of people aren't in work leagues anymore. Um, or, or, or like the work league is not as big of a thing this year because so many people are working from home, um, you know, because of the, you know, pandemic-induced work-from-home policies. So um, it may, maybe this is the right time to just try to convince a friend to do it. And, like, often the, there's, like, there's like a 
like you might think, oh, like I'm going to be taking it so seriously and he's going to be terrible. And what's the fun in that? But uh, I don't know. Beginner's fantasy luck is a real thing. It and sure we've is. seen yeah. it. And yeah. every time we've added somebody new to our personal mini league, it, like they, they can very win the league that year. Um, well, which, so, which is a good uh, reminder yeah. of sometimes the better way to play FPL is without that bias and without the mm-hmm. uh, the herd that you can get true. sucked into when you're just when you're an FPL regular. I think that's, yeah, I think that's very true. Um, yeah. In fact, that season was, I remember I was thinking of our, our it was my brother and his friend. They had like, they co-managed a team in our league. And I remember they went all in early on Luis Suarez and it was the, the SAS uh, yeah. year where it was Suarez, Aguero, Sturridge. Yeah. Um, that's, 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 Sturridge was good. They had that one year where he was amazing. <laughs> uh, and they went all in on, on Suarez and Sturridge up front when nobody else was doing it. And it was just like they just didn't, they didn't know how you were supposed to play, right? Yeah, it was like they right. just you know they spent thirty five million in their forward line that worked out <laughs> incredibly. Um, so all right, so that is that's your podcast. Good luck to everybody this weekend. Uh, I'm really really excited to have the game back. And I, I I have to admit I am super excited that the it kicks off on Saturday again because I, these fr- these Fridays like d- deprive me one of my the great joys, which is the sleepless friday night before the game mm-hmm. week kicks off and i love it's like like oh it's like christmas morning for me like i know how plain that sounds but it's, i just love it so much i mm-hmm. love that first saturday of the premier league yeah the rise and shine in, on the east coast in the states for the seven thirty kickoff it really is wake up and see what presents santa brought you and uh yep We'll see if Aubameyang delivers uh, delivers a new bicycle for you this yeah. week, Josh. St. Maximum, too, Brandon, of course, are my boy. All right. So uh, if you want to support the podcast, I want to say thank you. Uh, you can either go to iTunes and give us a review, which would be awesome, or give us a five, five-star rating or do the same on Spotify. I think, can you rate podcasts on Spotify? I'm actually I, not sure. I don't, I don't think thing. so, but, you know, just, yeah. just subscribe. It's good practice to subscribe to yeah. the podcast so you don't miss subscribe an episode. Podcast, <laughs> yeah, wherever you listen. Uh, and you can become a supporter on our Patreon. Say thanks. Um, get access to our weekly prize league, bonus podcast, uh, the mini league mate, uh, tons of other stuff that we'll talk about um, throughout the season. So if you missed it, uh, easy to find. Just go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, and Brandon, do you want to say a quick thank you to our patrons, please? Oh, I love our producer patrons, and they are Trevor Ingerson, Mike DiPietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T, DeBig Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, the uh, the secret forgotten producer, James Holland, Jazz <laughs> Binning, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg, Skoging, Paul Herzig, Kyra, Christine Lalang. Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, FPLmerch.com, Carrie Swanson, Brandon B., Paul Scanlon, Kieran Screeton, James Hurd, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Matt Marks, Mikey Uong, Bruce Kerr, Alper Paxoy, and Nicholas Vernadakis. Thanks to you all. And of course, follow us on social media, wherever you find, find social media. Email us, hailcheaters at gmail.com. All this information including the always cheating shop is at alwayscheating.com. Beautiful. All right, Brandon, good luck this weekend. I will see you next week. Good luck to you and Poku forever.
All right, gang, one last word before we get out of here. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.